Hello, everyone. Welcome to St. Codependencia, a podcast about all things mental health, in particular codependency. My name is Courtney Coleman, and I will be your host. It's been a good week, a slow week, it felt, but in a nice way, getting intentional about my snow globe settling. That's been great. One really big, helpful tool that I've found recently is the app Insight timer. It's free and the meditations are free. It's a meditation app. It's the best meditation app that I've used as far as variety and the teachers are amazing. The ones that I've found are absolutely incredible, like like rocking my world, knocking my socks off type meditation, guys. It's really good stuff. In particular, this guy named David G. He kind of looks a little bit like Dumbledore or Gandalf or Santa, I guess, like his picture, but he's like this sweet, he's got this sweet sweetest, most magnificent voice. Chef's kiss, David G on Insight Timer, any of his meditations, check them out. He always signs off and he goes, from the sweet spot of the universe, this is David G. (laughs) My daughter and I really love doing his meditations. She loves him too. And also another one is Aluna Moon. I believe she's British. Her voice is so soothing. I've really been diving into that and I've been loving it. I was once again reminded this week of my childhood, being a child of the late 80s, early 90s. I remember splatter painting being really fun. I remember even having some like jeans. Do y'all remember like the splatter paint jeans were a thing? Oh my gosh, I love those things. I remember that that arts and crafts thing that would spin around like a wheel and you would just like drip paint in it. I forgot the name of it. It's probably something really basic and I can't think of it right now, but I love that. I got back into that visual and I kind of started thinking about codependency. And I remember thinking about splatter painting and how as a kid, it was such a freeing experience. You know, it was like, what? There's no rules, no boundaries. We can just splatter things everywhere. Like, really? Is this real life? (laughs) There was something very liberating, I guess, about it. Like when the Greeks break plates, I would assume. I don't know about breaking plates. It just seems so dangerous. The shards, but I do consider it to be so liberating, like in that way of catharsis. But I was relating emotions and in particular codependency to splatter painting. So in this analogy, you think about everyone has their own canvas. We have this array of paint colors to use which would be emotions. Everyone has a pretty standard palette. Some people use some emotions all the time. Some people use tons of color. Some people paint pretty dark pictures. Everyone has a canvas and your life is your canvas. And so everyone's given a palette of paint colors. You can paint with whatever color you would like to choose. So some people can paint really beautifully, even with splatter paint, like a Jackson Pollock. He can make a masterpiece from splatter paint. And he was the innovator of this like sort of free form art that created a movement in America. He was a change maker, which I've really been drawn to, been loving, just soaking up stories of people who have created change. Back to the analogy, I think about people, you're in a family home, 
you're surrounded. Each parent has their own canvas and the kids have their own little canvases. Parents are painting their canvas. So at the end of your life, you would have painted your canvas would be complete with all of the emotions you have experienced throughout all of your life would be right up there on your canvas for everyone to see. And that's essentially how, you know, it is like not every not everybody could see this painting. I wish that was possible. <laughs> I wish this was a way for you to see people at the end of their lives this way. So cool. But so emotions can be thought of as like paint colors and like splatter painting can be a really beautiful, freeing, liberating process. And so can living life. You know, if there's a lot of beautiful colors used, if there's some fun, if there's joy, if there's laughter, if there's freeing independence, if there's all types of things, self-love, if there's self-worth going on to that canvas, it's going to splatter. And so it splatters onto anybody that's around you. And so that's why I really started this whole podcast, because this isn't just about being in a quote unquote codependent relationship, like with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even one parent. Like when you are codependent, it is affecting everyone in your life. You are spilling over on your friends, family, bosses, employees, neighbors, and especially your children and especially your spouse. And so these emotions, whatever they may be, whatever colors they may be, are being splattered onto the canvas of the person. But on the peripheral, the more contact with you ha- you have with that person, the more splatter you're going to get on it. So whatever emotion that, whatever main emotions are coming out of that person onto their canvas, that splatter is happening onto the child or the husband or whatever. Now, depending on the age of the person, you might be able to handle that or you might be able to have a boundary and say, oop, you know what? I am going to move my canvas over here <laughs> because you are splattering some stuff I do not like. Thank you. Bye-bye. Children can't do that, obviously. You are connected to the, to these people and you have no awareness of what's happening. And people don't even have this awareness in adulthood. I mean, I'm just getting this now and it's like, wow, wow. <laughs> but it's so cool once you can understand it. And it's like, this is this is just great. And I just hope people, I hope people resonate with it. To, I, I, that's my hope. Many people are splattering and spraying their emotions all over the place. And a lot of times it's dark. And a lot of times it can, can, it can be confusing as a child because some emotions come out a certain way and you think it's some, what would happen is like with my dad, for example, he would get very drunk. He would be like cruel to me in like, like a fun, like making fun of me way. He would make fun of me as if he was another fifth or sixth grader on the schoolyard. He wouldn't do that to me when he was sober or when he was hungover or anything like that. But he reverted back to this very like arrested development when he was when he was really wasted. He would just get very immature, super immature. And this was the guy that was supposed to be my protector the guy that's supposed to be protecting me from the assholes. <laughs> so I'm just coming to these realizations now because what would happen is, is like we would all kind of be laughing and joking and I would sort of feel the pain of this, but it didn't look like dark emotions or paint going onto my canvas. Do you know what I mean? It went invisible. Like it went, like I'm trying to explain it so it makes sense. Like he would 
camouflage his paint colors. And a lot of parents will camouflage shame in bullying or in the silent treatment or physical abuse or in just a look, you know, some some parents just needed a look and that shame just splatters all over the canvas. So for my dad, he would cut me down. Think about anything that like a sixth grader would cut you down about in a schoolyard. That's what he would cut me down about. And so (laughs) I can laugh at it now and be like, yeah, like it was so stupid. But it took me almost (laughs) 40 years to figure that out. And I didn't know how much of his splatter was dark, depressed sadness because his colors that were what he thought looked good. But when you're alone and when you're drinking or when you're escaping or, you know, whatever you're running to and you're going to that coping strategy, you are still painting on your canvas. What would happen is, is like my dad, we wouldn't see my dad for a long time. And then we would spend shorter amount of time, you know, with him for the weekend. But his canvas was very, very dark and then just got more and more and more as the, you know, you just keep using the same color. Colors. You keep going to the same coping strategies that make you feel like shit. And then you keep painting with the same damn colors. And I realized that you're painting at the end of your life. It's all of your, it's all of your experiences. It's all of your tragedies, your triumphs, your traumas. You know, it's all of it. It will be all out there on your canvas at the end. And there are some people that get put in museums because they're masterpieces. And then there are some people that just make nothing. Some people destroy it. Some people trash it. But the thing is, is that you don't realize when you're growing up, you don't have an awareness that you are building on your canvas and that there's already quite a bit of paint that you didn't know was pretty ugly. It's like you going to a museum and thinking like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty good painter. And then you go to a museum and you see these artists and you're like, oh, wow, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. These people, these people are painters. Codependency is like thinking that you have a really good painting and it looks like shit. (laughs) Looks so bad. But you don't know and you are so stuck in painting your shitty painting that you just keep going. You're just like, no, no, no. I don't want to look at those other really good paintings. I don't want to know how they did that. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And I'm just going to splatter all that crap everywhere. And it's going to get all over my kids. And I'm not going to change. And I'm going to keep doing it no matter what. That's what addiction is. That's what, you know, codependency feeds into. So that's why codependency is so important because it channels into addictions. So what I'm explaining is what happens in the beginning, which is already planted in your subconscious. So you're already behind the, by the time that you have awareness, hopefully you can catch it before you put it down to the next generation. And hopefully parents will just slowly begin to understand that whatever they are throwing on their canvas is getting splattered onto their child. Ever they are feeling, and it doesn't have to be an explosion of emotion. It could be abandonment. It could be neglect, could be an array of things. And sometimes those paint colors are like glow in the dark or something. The equivalent of like needing a black light and being like, oh my God, this is disgusting. (laughs) 
that's what happens. Sometimes these dark colors are infused on your canvas. Sometimes it's by society. Sometimes it's not by your parents. Sometimes you have a really loving, you know, family home, but the the time, the neighborhood, the environment you grew up in gave you tons of scars and trauma and wounds. It It's not always a parent-child thing. Many times it is, but it's not always. And so some, it could become, it could come from authority figures. It could come from caregivers of any type. Could It could come from different places, but it feeds into addiction. And it's like, it starts out like a little seedling. And at the end of this journey, you're going to be the statistic of something. Be gambling, might be alcohol, might be drugs, but it's something if you don't get a new canvas because there comes a point when you realize that your paint colors that you've been painting have gotten way too dark and that definitely happened to me in my life like it happened during the pandemic i got to a point and i was i was actually sat down i was told and i i came to the to the sobering realization that the paint colors that i kept putting on my canvas were way too dark the beautiful news is you can get a whole new canvas and you can start again And you can learn how you want to put the right colors together. You want to choose. You can cherry pick the things that go onto your painting. You can. You can actually do that. Things, you know, things in life come at you. Yes. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be traumas. That's all going to go on your painting. You're not, nobody's going to have a yellow brick road. That's not what this is about. But this is also about protecting your canvas, knowing what is going on there. Sometimes you got to pull out a black to see the bullshit. (laughs) And sometimes it's coming from the people that are very close to you, but it's like cancer. It could be very slow growing. You can treat it. It just needs to be removed. If you don't remove it, it will take over, but it can be removed before it is a full-blown addiction into whatever. And so I hope that (laughs) sheds some light or color, if you will, on codependency. I hope that explains it because I'm I'm really trying to get a better understanding of it myself. And I've been through intensive therapy about it. And it's still a concept that is so wide and broad and so underestimated. It's not on the radar of so many people. I've been in a lot of therapists' office and no one really said, hey, you've got real codependent things going on. I don't even really think a lot of therapists are truly aware of the application of this and how many people need this information. Universal, it's just like your physical body. It's something that the research into this, conversations about something like this, it's just like discovering a cancer that is very deadly. We don't really know much about it and we need to find out more so that we can save people. That's what this is in mental terms. This is a very dangerous cancer that if gone untreated will kill people. Sorry guys, but this is a positive uplifting thing because just like research, it's like, yes, sometimes statistics bleak, but you can create change and you can make your life what you want. Paint your own damn painting. Don't let anybody splatter all over your shit. It's yours. It's going to be your masterpiece at the end of your life. So make sure that nobody is splattering on it that you don't want to. Okay. So I finally did it, guys. One, two, three. Baby bonus. <laughs> the baby bonus is feeding tubes. <laughs> I almost didn't do this because I was like, um, really? 
I like talking about lighter subjects. And this week, I was just like, come on, like these analogies that come to me, they're pushed on me really strongly. It's not really about like my aesthetic choices or like what I'm necessarily drawn to. It's like when I'm struggling with something or thinking about something or healing from something, and I'm thinking or pondering about a specific concept, a visual comes into my head just immediately, like, boom, like, oh, that's a sprinkler or, oh, that's a dishwasher, you know, or, oh, that is <laughs> the Eiffel Tower or something. And it's so random, y'all. I don't even know why. But so the baby bonus is feeding tubes. And it's similar. It's in the same vein, no pun intended, as splatter painting. But feeding tube is used for food, right? Obviously, feeding tube, food. But in mental terms, feeding tubes can be emotional as well. If you think about relationships, you can be connected to people in relationship and like a child and a parent are connected in an emotional feeding tube. The parent and the child, it's supposed to be a give and take of positive and negative things. You know, it's just like it should be a healthy balance of emotions and situations, stability, balance, right? That's ideal. It almost never happens. I don't know. I don't know if this occurs in real form because all humans have had their own childhood. So it is very rare, I'm finding, that to get this type of healing, you really, really, really are already probably outspoken about it and people know about it. People are really blind to so much. And that's why I'm trying to shed some light. Your feeding tubes are, you can have a lot of different feeding tubes set up to you, however many you want. Your feeding tubes can be your parents, your friends, your church, your sorority, your fraternity, your coaches, your mentors, your neighbors, whatever you're plugging up, whatever you're in relationship with. It could be with, you know, CNN or Netflix or something. Whatever it is, it's bringing you a combination or a cocktail <laughs> of positive and negative input. And that's coming into you. So this person, whether it be your best friend or whether it be your mother, she's bringing stuff into you. Sometimes it's, for me, it's anxiety sometimes, but it's also my mom is so sweet and so funny and tons of love. And so it's very difficult to understand this concept of the parent pumping in and it circling back out of the other person that is receiving it especially children. I'm hooked up to my kids, my husband, family members, etc. But if your parent is wounded, then that is 100% going into your feeding tube. And then it is going to come and circle back around and be the output to which you put into others. So what I think people don't realize is that their their parents' severe wounds are sort of silently going into this feeding tube that has been emotionally attached to them. And it's kind of like been like a cancer, right? Like you didn't really know, like that was kind of growing in you. And then it comes back, it, it will rear its head or it will come back around. And like, for me, it just started coming out in my behavior, like negativity and the emotions of my childhood of what had been hooked up to my feeding tube were coming out and I couldn't stop it. It was like a flowing river. <laughs> of shit. Uh, but now my waters are clean. My feeding tube is just, it's, it's great <laughs> most of the time. Or whatever you're really letting influence you, whether it be conscious or subconscious. And those things could be negative or positive. So like if you think about people who get involved in cults or people are, you know what I mean, like making really bad decisions. It's like they 
are obviously pumping negative things into their feeding tubes. And then it's coming back around to the people. And it's like what you output into the world. And it's what you output directly into the people that are attached to you. So that's why it just depends on your relationship with that person. Like sometimes the feeding tubes are larger and smaller, depending on the relationship of the person. When a child is small, the feeding tube is pretty big with the parent emotionally. And then as the child gets older, that feeding tube gets smaller and you have less of a need to have an input from that parent. And then your input goes into your child and so on and so forth. So, so a very, very difficult question for a lot of people is, do you actually want your parents emotional feeding tube hooked up to you? Is it pumping positivity and light? Then yes. The answer is yes, absolutely. If you, and there are, and there are situations like that, but there are, are situations that are very codependent and that have a lot of light and love in them, but there are in like those, <laughs> that invisible stuff. If you're getting darkness and depression and sadness, anxiety, anger, abuse, if you're if you're sitting on the phone with people or hashing out their problems, or if you're just letting that feeding tube just be full of other people's emotions, then it goes through you, comes right back out. You might be able to absorb a lot. Maybe that's your role. Maybe that's how you've always been validated. But I'm telling you from experience, it is affecting you. And those paints are still on those canvases. So you can just start over. It's so hard. It's so it's so painful. It's so painful to to realize sometimes that the people you love the most are having some yucky stuff in their feeding tube and you are hooked up to them so you need to disconnect and that is called cord cutting, emotional cord cutting and it's important to do especially when people are in addiction, in codependence are emotionally unwell and are pumping negativity or darkness, any of the aforementioned things into your life. It is important to cut that cord for you and then for your children who you are attached to. The thing is, is that it's not feeding you. That person could be anybody. That person or place or thing is not feeding you. And you aren't able to stop the emotions that are going to come out the other side of it. You think you are. You think you're going to be able to intake all this stuff and you're like, no, 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 but I'm not. I'm, I can control it. Like, I'm not going to. It's not going to come out the other end. I'm not going to output it to other people. But you lose control. You lose a handle on reality and what you are doing because you want to justify your behavior. You don't want to change. And that's when we keep going to those coping strategies because we freak out. We don't know how to change. It hurts to change. So we keep coping. But I will tell you that the pain from the negativity that's pumping in you from being attached to that unhealthy person, place, or thing is worse than the pain of cutting it off. I'm going to say that again. The pain of negativity pumping into your feeding tube is worse than the pain of cutting it off. So if this is a parent of yours and the pain of you thinking of cutting them off is so painful, but you know that their sickness or sadness or depression is coming into you and it's coming out of the other end of your output, I'm telling you, it's going to hurt and it sucks. But if you cut that off, you can get your feeding tube into positivity and, and light. And you can still have relationships with people. You just have to have boundaries. And that's what the thing is. It's not. It, it depends on the person. Sometimes you have to completely cut it off if it's that toxic. But sometimes you can have a little bit of a person. Sometimes you can have a lot. It's just looking at it in terms of this. I think that different emotions and different trauma, different experiences have been mislabeled or unidentified 
or, you know, just covered up. Things have been covered up for so long. A lot of bullshit is getting uncovered these days. And I think it's great. So I want you to ask yourself, are all of my feeding tubes with all the people, places or things, are they giving me life or are they taking it away? Are they, is it a soul sucking connection I have to this? Or is it giving me laughter and joy and love. Just ask yourself that. And my hope is that all of your feeding tubes will be full of magnificent elixirs of love and healing. (laughs) All right. That is the message for today. Thank you all so much for joining me. Please leave me a review if you have not already. I would love to hear your feedback. A lot of you guys have told me that you're going to write reviews and you haven't yet. (laughs) Please do it soon. (laughs) Love you guys so much. Have a great week. Please be advised that I am not a licensed therapist, nor do I have any degrees in mental health. I strongly encourage everyone to seek out the care of a mental health professional. And as always, go find your light and where you begin is within. Bye.